Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Embody. Appreciate you guys listening to kick off your weekend. We've got a lot to get to on the podcast today, as uh, took a lot of subscriber questions from our Pony Stampede crew, and we've got a lot to get to as well. Uh, let's start off with this. It's shaping up to be another big weekend for SMU on the decision front. And I've got three to highlight for you guys as three key prospects are set to make their announcements. Jackson Bailey, the Red Oak linebacker who picked up an offer late last month, is set to announce his decision Friday afternoon, early evening, depending on where you're at. And then Dylan Goffney, the high three-star Cypress Bridgeland standout. Uh, who is one of the best receivers in Texas, is set to announce on Saturday afternoon. And then Sunday on Mother's Day, Jalen Record is set to announce his decision. He's the Dallas Madison wide receiver uh, who is uh, friends with Danny Gray. He's set to announce his decision. All three have SMU very heavily in the mix. So keep it locked on Pony Stampede for the latest on those decisions. And uh, head on over to the site as well if you're if you're wondering kind of where things stand heading into those decisions. On top of that, we still have the last day of 60% off annual subscription. So the time is now, guys. The time is now to jump on board before that runs out. All right, we've got a lot of questions to get to. And because I think a lot of people, not a lot of people, but a lot of people that are jumping on board the site right now are kind of relatively new to recruiting. I feel like for the most part, if you've been with us for a while, you follow recruiting religiously, you know about it, uh, and you have since, whether it be the June Jones days or even some of you, you know, way back in the day. But let's kind of reset kind of the recruiting landscape right now and where things stand amid this coronavirus pandemic and certainly kind of how I've at least thought about this time. And then uh, I'll kind of share some things about not the recruiting process, but kind of how I go through some things in terms of covering it right now. So right now, no one can take visits. Nobody can be evaluated in person. Uh, Camps and on-campus evals have been suspended in the SEC until July 31st. I expect many other conferences to do that as well. The recruiting dead period is approaching a vote uh, for that to be extended until June 30th, which, by the way, I think would help SMU in a big way, I expect it to be extended. While things are still opening up, I find it very hard to believe that the NCAA would allow some schools to be able to host prospects and other schools not be able to. So, for example, if you if there are travel restrictions for some states or if some campuses aren't open and others, it's going to be an issue. And, and SMU's starting to open back up and things like that. And uh, as the summer rolls along into July, there's a chance they could end up hosting visitors. But right now, I think, look, the NCAA is going to extend that dead period in my mind, and that'll be big 
I think for SMU, especially with a lot of these local prospects. So in terms of how much fun right now this has been uh, covering recruiting, it, it's been it's been a lot of fun to know that when you're covering a, a recruiting cycle that it's going to go well, I think. And that just look, I, I went to SMU, but I've also been able to kind of separate myself in a way from, you know, having kind of emotions in following recruiting. I think when you have emotion, emotions involved, it can certainly kind of cloud your judgment or what have you. So, but as, from a business perspective for you guys to, to have fun and, and see the high level of commitments they're landing, that's a good thing. So uh, right now I'm having a ton of fun covering uh, this recruiting cycle, especially now that May has hit and they've gone on a run of commitments for a while. It was pretty boring. It was, it was kind of the same thing. We couldn't go out to camps and watch. There's no spring football practice, which really sucks. I love going out to spring ball. I love seeing these guys work out in camps and things like that. None of that's happening, which really sucks. So in terms of overall fun, I'm it'll it'll kind of wear me down a little bit, I think, not having spring ball and not having camps to go to and things like that. But from a who they're targeting and who they're getting perspective, it's been fun for me to see the board popping and them to be getting the guys that they want. Overall, the recruiting scene right now, it's it's kind of weird because, and Bud Elliott made a, uh, uh, wrote a great article about this. He really dove into the numbers and this cycle is on pace for a record number of commitments. I mean, it already is. It's, it's like double the amount of commitments at this time of the year for each of the last three recruiting cycles. And in my opinion, by the end of May, it'll probably match the number of commitments from the past three recruiting cycles combined. So think about that. That is absolutely wild. So this fall, we could see a lot of decommitments. In July, if they open things back up, we could see a lot of decommitments as guys start to take visits. But I do think guys are, are trying to save their spots. And for SMU, and I was, I was asked this question on Pony Stampede, do I think like how many of the commitments do I think sign with SMU? And I think SMU is among the schools that has the best chance to hold on to all of their commitments. I think Clemson has a great chance to hold on to their commitments. I think Ohio State has a great chance to hold on to their commitments. And I just kind of mentioned those off the off the top because they don't have many commitments. Now, SMU's local recruiting and keeping those guys home has been the push for a while. And it's been the push with most of those players. And if you look at Guys like Isaiah and Wilkabia, Preston Stone, Monte Dawson, Brandon Epton, uh, those guys, they've been favoring SMU for quite some time. Isaiah Kelly is somebody that I think could have blown up even more with the, sp with the spring practice and, and coaches seeing him in person. Joseph Manjack was on the rise. And Isaiah has been committed for a long time. So I think for the most part, SMU is a really good chance to hold on to most of their commitments and sign them. A lot of other schools are going to have to deal with, you know, recruiting these guys and you recruit all of them all the way up until they sign, but really, really, really doing some serious work to keep them committed now that they are, uh, you know, on board with their program. So that's kind of my thoughts on, on kind of where things stand. And then finally, somebody asked me, how do I go through making a crystal ball prediction? And this is a really good question. And 
if you're on our board, it's somewhat, I would say, easy to kind of just infer things and things like that. So as I talk about it, you might want to head over to the board and subscribe and kind of see what I'm talking about because we do have some fresh crystal ball picks on the board. But in terms of what goes into me crystal balling a, a player, it could be very simple. It could be I heard from a really good source that he he's already committed. He's already silently committed. Things, you know, things are in great shape there, and he's expected to announce. On the other hand, and this was this kind of goes for I think some of the guys that are still uncommitted. This goes for players that I think announced earlier this month that we saw some of those crystal ball picks finally go. Um, and it also goes for somebody like Monte Dawson, who I had heard early in the spring. He was all SMU, very, very excited. You know, that was a school that he had circled, circled from the beginning that he felt like he could fit in with. He liked the academics. Coaching staff did a great job recruiting him. And so I went ahead and I put the pick in. Now there's there's other guys that you guys have seen me maybe maybe put picks in a little bit uh, closer to their decisions. And there are some out there that, you know, ended up announcing for SMU. And there are some that haven't announced yet, but they've now got announcements on the docket, so to speak, uh, that we put picks in for. So, but if I'm, if I'm looking like way out, like for example, I've got a crystal ball pick in for Savion Bird. That one is a big one. That one is one that I probably could have put in far earlier than I, than I did, to be honest with you. It, It was one that you know, I waited until early April to put it in, but I probably could have put it in in early March. But you never know, and especially over the course of a dead period like this, what could happen, how things can change, and, and things like that. So I opted to wait until early April for, for that Savion Bird prediction, but I went through checking around the net, network. Hey, what are you hearing on Texas side, Mike Roach? Hey, Oklahoma, what are you hearing? LSU, what are you hearing? Kind of things like that. And I came to the conclusion, I said, this is a really good pick. I think things are in great shape for SMU. They've got Rashad Samples on staff. He's been on campus a ton. And if this dead period continues to drag on, that's a really good thing for SMU. And I think they're going to be able to get him. So, and and then from there, you continue to check in. Hey, are things still in good shape here? How, how are things going? Uh, you can continue to check around. So that's kind of the checklist I go through. It's a combination of what you hear from people uh, that are connected on SMU side, it, you check around from that player's perspective. So maybe it can be as simple as checking in with the player. Some have told me off the record, you know, hey, I committed, uh, you know, I'm going to announce eventually. Others are saying, oh, you know, I'm not going to commit or this or that. But I, you can also just kind of infer a bunch of different things by following them. So there's, um, there's a lot of things that go into it, but that's as best as I could uh, simplifying it for you on, on the crystal ball front. Now, kind of looking at the AAC overall, I look at a conference that is on the up in terms of keeping guys at home and especially SMU and Cincinnati. I think those are the two schools right now doing the best job recruiting. USF's uh, got a good recruiting class. Uh, early on, they've got a, a, a fairly solid average recruit ranking. UCF, same story. Memphis, same story. But they just don't have many yet. And and they're going to have to pick up the pace, obviously, and kind of get that going. 
But I don't necessarily think this is a conference that is doing an incredible job recruiting by any means. I, I think when you look at SMU and Cincinnati, they're they're above and beyond where the other programs are from a recruiting standpoint. And I know Cincinnati's average recruit ranking is is below programs like UCF and Memphis and Houston. But to be honest, there are just not as many players that are going to uh, hit in terms of average recruit ranking in terms of where Cincinnati recruits. But they're going to keep at least one highly rated prospect home in Cincinnati each year. And they've got a couple on their board. We'll kind of see how their class trends in the 2021 cycle. But, um, you know, I, I think SMU Cincinnati are probably your two best bets in terms of recruiting powers. So I don't necessarily think it, it's a it's a it's an elite conference in terms of recruiting outside a couple outside of a couple uh, programs uh, out there. Moving back over to SMU side, in terms of roster management, there's a couple questions to answer here. How many do I think SMU actually signs? I have no idea. That, and, and I've said that on the board a couple times now, as SMU adds transfers this summer, which I think they will, how many spots does that take from the 2021 class? Uh, how many players opt to maybe you know, not come back? for their senior years, they've graduated, they can come back for a fifth year, how many just opt to hang it up or transfer, do whatever. And then kind of how the positional breakdown goes for SMU. I think there are certain positions that are done. I think running back is done right now. If they were to get Kamar Wheaton, they'd take him no matter what. But I think running back's done right now, quarterback's done right now. I think between wide receiver and tight end, you look at five being the number. I could, I could see three offensive linemen in the class. Uh, I could see four tops on the defensive line, but more likely three. I could see between outside and inside linebacker, I'd see, I could see three. And then safety, they've got two on board right now, and I think they're done there. At corner, I think they've got two guys uh, that they want to bring in. So, and, and transfers can take spots from the 2021 class. So if they were to get Let's say uh, uh, somebody that redshirted as as a freshman in 2019 elsewhere, he wants to come back home. They'll take him and they'll view that as maybe like a junior college type addition, which I think they want to do at the cornerback position. That's a position that SMU always wants to stay, I would say, old at. And what I mean by that is they always want to bring in at least one junior college guy and then get a, get a high school guy that they really like. That's what they did with Brian Massey. They did that with Sam Westfall. They tried to do that with some of these corner prospects late in the game on the junior college side of things. Couldn't end up getting an elite guy, so they opted to hold off. But they are looking at the transfer market as well to address the corner spot, which I think is one of the most important positions for SMU to address uh, in the coming uh, months in this 2021 class. Um, so overall, watch for a couple of transfer guys to come into the program and take a spot here or there. But overall, I think SMU uh, is, is you know, looking for the most part at high school players to round out this class. And 
to kind of add to that, so I was asked if, if I thought SMU was over-recruiting offense. I don't think so at all. One, you've got a four-star quarterback that you don't, quote-unquote, have to keep happy, but you want to build a class around him. And then to add to that, you've got to address, for example, the wide receiver position. You've got Reggie Robertson and Tyler Page, who are seniors. You've got Judah Bell, who's moved to tight end. You've got Austin Upshaw, who was having a good spring, but he's going to be on the tail end of his career. You've got to address his departure eventually. And then you've got young players like Kiki Burns, Rasheed Rice, Parker Stone, and Calvin Wiggins that are coming in, as well as Danny Gray, who's going to be a junior right off the bat. And then you added Thad Johnson as your lone high school guy last cycle. So they've got to address the receiver position. They're also very thin at running back. They only have really three backs uh, on Scott. Uh, well, I think Tyler Levine might be on scholarship now, but they've got four scholarship backs, I guess, if that's the case. One of them in Tameric Williams hasn't really shown much. And then after that, you got nothing. So you've got to bring in running backs. And then tight end definitely needs to be addressed in this cycle with at least one player. And then offensive line, they're only going to take three in my mind, maybe even two. So you've got depth on the offensive line already. So I don't think they're necessarily over-recruiting offense by any means uh, right now. But at the same respect, they've got a chance to take an elite wide receiver class. They should do that. So I think that covers the covers it for the most part on the recruiting front and with that we're going to take a quick break we're going to flip over to the other side of football world which is uh kind of breaking down where things stand with some of these young coaches on staff we'll also talk a little bit about uh how the name image and likeness affects smu and uh kind of wrap things up from there so we'll be right back with the pony stampede podcast after this quick break this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Pony Stampede Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Ambody. Appreciate you guys being here. Quick reminder, leave us a rating. Leave us a review, please, wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Uh, we appreciate it. And uh, feel free if, if you want to see something on the podcast to drop it in the review as well. We're keeping an eye on those. Now, I was asked about SMU's young up-and-coming coaches on the staff and kind of how SMU can entice them to stay at SMU, but also not give them positions they might not be ready for yet. So specifically, you look at our Rashad samples of Randall Joyner, 
those are guys that are young up and coming coaches that are going to have great long careers and they're going to be, I mean, among the best young assistants in the country, in my mind, for at least the next five years is, you know, before they hit 30. So, well, you know, Rashad and Joyner will eventually pass 30, but you know what I'm saying? Like for the next five years, they'll be among the best young assistants in the country. For SMU, they'll certainly need to give them raises. That's number one. So you look at both of them. They both got promotions uh, in the past year. Randall Joyner was, was given the entire defensive line group, which led to the hiring of Rashad Samples, and he got his own position group after this year. Then what happens from here is, is, you know, for Rashad, he got recruiting coordinator. So for Rashad, for example, if over the next, let's say, two two to three classes, because here's here's my thing. I think he's going to stay at SMU for a good good minute. They've they've rewarded him. I think they'll take care of him, continue to take care of him. And his dad is also towards, I think, the the late part of his high school coaching career, which I think Rashad wants to be around for. You'll need to continue to give him raises and and hope that all of that works to keep him at SMU. Because I think he loves being in Dallas. I think Sonny Dykes does a great job of rewarding people, putting them in position to succeed, helping them get better. So I think just all of those things are just critical. And and for Joyner, I think the same thing. I think, you know, some sort of promotion probably in the next year or two is probably, you know, coming. Um, it, it's just going to be interesting. You've got a lot of veteran assistants like Trey Haverty. You've got uh, A.J. Ricker, who was promoted to co-offensive coordinator. You've got Garrett Riley, who's young and up and coming, but is now an offensive coordinator already with Ricker. And then you've got Chris Brassfield, who's a veteran. Josh Martin's a veteran. So how does all of that work? I think it's just you kind of take it year by year. And, um, you know, it's going to be something that every offseason is just going to come up and it's very natural. I think guys like Samples and Joyner are tied to Dallas a little bit more with, um, you know, family, with uh, just kind of their whole situation. So overall, I mean, I think that's just all you can do. I mean, and, and I think there are certain guys that uh, certain people at SMU would support however they needed to, to try and keep. I think Randall Joyner being a former you know, SMU player is one of them. I think Rashad Samples being what he's brought to the program so far is one of them. I think Garrett Riley is is one that if he pays off, like a lot of people think he will, uh, he's one of them. A.J. Ricker has done wonders. I mean, there's just – there's a lot of, uh, you know, people that support this group that will do what they can to keep them. I think Kevin Kane uh, has a chance to have his best defense at SMU this year. And they've made some changes as well to try and uh, do that. So um, I also think Kaz Kazadi is one of those guys that I think a lot of people around the program in terms of boosters will pay whatever uh, to an extent, of course, uh, it takes to keep uh, guys like that around SMU. So um, in terms of Garrett Riley, I was asked kind of how things will mesh there. I think things are going to be great. I I really don't uh, see much of an issue in terms of uh, how they're going to mesh some things together. I think there's going to be more high percentage throws, which comes from 
a lot of the air raid concepts that both of them, both uh, Garrett Riley and Sonny Dykes grew up with um, and, and Sonny has. Overall, and I, I've said this in the past in the spring, it's a more collaborative effort offensively to put this thing together. And I think that's a positive in terms of Coach Riley and keeping him here for two, three years at least if things go well. And, and look, let's not forget that he's got Preston Stone coming in. And I think he he's excited about that opportunity and and certainly kind of where he can take the offense moving forward. So I think I think the philosophy uh, is is one that remember Garrett Garrett grew up in the in the air raid. Um, that's what he grew up in. Just only in the cap last couple of years, he's been around more of the power spread, and he's picked up things. I mean, you know, App State was one of the best rushing uh, offenses in the country. Uh, has really productive running backs and. That's something that'll be added, but I don't think you're going to see much change, at least like when they line up formationally uh, with with Garrett Riley at the helm. So I think everything's going to work out really well. I've heard a lot of positive things about how they all work together and just how he's fit in into the coaching room. Um, so overall, I think, I mean, gosh, everyone's pretty excited about Garrett Riley. So uh, I think that's kind of it in terms of SMU's current team. I, I, well, there's two more questions in terms of, the AAC as a whole, but um, that kind of wraps it up on the team side of things. I was asked who the sleeper team in the AAC is uh, this year, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go with with um, I'm gonna go with Temple. I think that's a school that has recruited well, dating back to Matt Rule. I think they're kind of being slept on now, and um, they're they're right. I think they're right around SMU in terms of win projection. So. I'm going to go with Temple. It wouldn't be a shocker to see them make some noise. Uh, but if that's but in terms of a sleeper team, I'm going to go with Temple. I mean, everybody always talks up Tulane, but that's talking them up as a sleeper. So I don't necessarily think you're a sleeper when that's the case. Um, I think East Carolina is going to get a lot better. They gave SMU all they could handle last year in Dallas. So uh, I could see East Carolina uh, being somebody that makes some noise. And then finally, the best player in the AAC in my mind, is 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 Reggie Robertson. I mean, I, I don't think there's a more explosive receiver in the conference um, outside of DeMonte Coxie, who I believe is back. Um, but, I mean, when you're talking about big play, that's what <laughs> that's what um, that's what Reggie Robertson does. And, and as long as he's healthy, he is uh, I mean, he was on pace to have a pretty historic year for SMU. There was a chance I know he's not power five, but I mean, he would have been right there for the Bolitnikov uh, award as well. Not to win it, I don't think. I mean, that was going to be Jamar Chase or any of any of those three finalists that ended up being there. C.D. Lamb and um, I believe Michael Pittman Jr. But look, I mean, he was he was he was red hot when he got hurt. Um, and that was a big loss. So I think in, in terms of being healthy and being ready to go, I think Reggie Robertson's the best player in the AAC. Finally, uh couple more things. Name, image, and likeness. The NCAA approved that to kind of go forward and, and get it going. And I feel like this is going to help SMU in a big way because, look, they're in Dallas. They are um, they have the ability to negotiate and help these players get deals and things like that. Um, and SMU's kind of already started down this road with life after ball. So in terms of the coaching staff's thoughts on it, Sonny's been pretty adamant. Anything that's good for the players is good for them. 
And I, I think being in Dallas, it just gives them more firepower in recruiting. I mean, I really do. I mean, there are so many companies around that are local that either support SMU already that would do this uh, with players and partner for commercials or partner with social media and, and get them on board. So like, for example, I, I'm just saying, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but this is just an example off the top of my head. Sewell auto dealership, big SMU donor. Um, I could see, you know, Shane Bouchelle making money off of, off of that or Reggie Robertson and saying, Hey, you know, pitch cars or whatever, if they wanted to do that. And those guys should be able to profit off that. So I think those local and, and, and being a big city, the players can actually earn more just based off of kind of regular marketing value and things like that. And uh, that's a positive. And it kind of helps SMU when, you know, you, the staff might worry about a kid being, you know, bought by a bigger school saying, hey, you can still earn X, Y, Z, you know, coming to the SMU, being a big time player. And because you're in Dallas, your, your name, your image, your likeness is going to be worth a lot. Then finally, uh, the East Side Stadium rumors of expansion. <clears throat> I think that is very much in the plans. How all of that looks is is another thing because there are a lot of things that need to be done. There needs to be a football ops building, there, there, uh, or at least you know some sort of new uh, center for football. There needs to be other renovations done to Ford. So no, the recession and and Corona did not put a stop to plans for that. What could happen now is look, I mean, there it's all donor money. SMU doesn't this doesn't just snap and, you know, drop, you know, a hundred million dollars on something like that. So they've got to raise the money. Will the, will the recession impact SMU's donations for something like that? It very well could. Um, but no, they're still in the plans. They're still you know, moving forward in terms of that. I thought it would have been sooner rather than later, but look, nobody knows anything right now with how this thing is going to go. Um, so I, I think you see it in the future, but I, I'm not sure when, uh, that happens just based off donations and you know people's livelihoods being impacted. Finally, I was asked kind of a roundabout question. I'm going to try to answer it. SMU had a lot of players sign free agent deals. This uh, NFL draft, guys like Delonte Scott, Rodney Clemens, Ryan Becker, uh, players like that. And they were, of course, you know, three-star prospects. How many of SMU's players would have seen the field at schools like Texas A&M or Texas? And would those players actually have had a chance while sitting on the bench at a school loaded with four or five-star players? Or do I believe they could have started? And also, why hasn't Pat Nelson been offered a free agent contract? So I think there are certain players that could have played to an extent at schools like Texas A&M and Texas. I think Delonte Scott could have played at either one based on how he's developed physically, uh, his his ability, his athleticism, his length. He could have played at either one of those schools a good bit. Um, I think James Prochet could have carved out a role at either one of those schools, which is kind of wild to think about. But just in terms of his speed, which was a big question in the draft, in the draft um, that would have been my concern, is him breaking into a program like AM or UT. That's the problem. Would he have been able to break into the lineup at a program like that versus SMU where he got on the field right away after being redshirted as a freshman um, after coming in from prime prep? So 
that's kind of, and I think to an extent, that's kind of where, where it ends for me in terms of guys that really could have played a lot, um, you know, outside of special teams. So you're talking about your starter on a, on a defense or an offense. Um, now, like Richard Moore was a very productive player at Cedar Hill, four-star prospect, ends up transferring to SMU from Texas A&M, playing a lot, being a difference maker. So that that's just kind of how it goes sometimes, though. It's so hard to break through at schools like that because of the talent that's there. But if they do, I feel like they would have been successful. So I look at Delante Scott as one that could have been successful for just as an example. Pat Nelson, don't know why he hasn't been offered a free agent contract yet. Uh, I believe he's going to be on an NFL roster at some point. It's just a matter of when for him, uh, but we'll continue to track that. Now, with that, guys, I think it's time to wrap this up. We've been at it for a while. Hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the podcast. After the big weekend for SMU, we'll uh, be back on Monday to wrap it all up and uh, share how it went. So thanks for listening to this edition of the pod. Hope everyone has a great and safe weekend out there. Um, and enjoy it and keep it locked on Pony Stampede. A lot of news to come. It was a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.